Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of Locked on Indians. I am one of your hosts today, Jeff Ellis. Uh, we have so much to talk about. The Tito Francona news that we lead off with alone could probably take a whole segment because of the depth and the amount of things to discuss with that. We have trades, we have more, uh, but I also want to say, you know, I have a co-host. Pat Ellington is here to join me on the show. Thanks for for hopping in on a busy day of Indians baseball, Pat. Um, First first of all, thank you for having me. Um, You know, uh, it's kind of funny when we talked yesterday, we kind of planned out what we were going to talk about. We got a really a lot to cover and that everything that happened today happened. So that kind of pushed that to our next conversation. But yeah, um, Tito, Tito um, stepping down for the rest of the season is big because, you know, his, his contract expires after this end of the season, I think. And um, the retirement's kind of been on the wall, but um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens. Yeah. There's, and it's one of those, it's, you know, the proverbial onion, you can peel the layers. Like, He's five wins away from having either tying or t- have taken the record for the most wins by a manager. He's so close to that. Uh, they go for an assist. You know, they have to find a replacement. Uh, you know, you mentioned very importantly too, like his contract's up. Uh, is he going to be back? And when it's time for the replacement, they did not go to Sandy Alomar, who they went to a year ago. Uh, going to want to make sure I say his uh, Demarlo Hale who now becomes the third African-American manager in baseball. It's one, you know, it's one thing stepping away, but there's just so much to this, like hail over Alomar, hail in general, uh, the win totals. Is this the end of kind of that era? Uh, with the health issue this year, last year, you know, everyone talks about these last two years where he's had to step away. He's had health issues dating back multiple years do you think this is the end of the line for Tito? Do you think we have seen his, you know, last, he managed his last win against the Cardinals? Um, I definitely have seen the last of Tito. How would you kind of rank his time here? Like, it, you know, it, there were ups, there were downs, but, uh, and, you know, I know you're still, no no offense to uh, to take hopefully with this you're, you're still you know a relative youngin so you haven't and the indians are not the browns where you know in your lifetime you could have seen like 15 coaches uh, they've had relative stability uh for your time as an indians fan is he the the best manager they've had do you think i think so definitely um and for context everyone i'm 23 years old um so i think he was the best manager absolutely um, no i'm i'm 40 i think i i would say the same thing yeah, just um, what he did in 2016 postseason was a masterclass in baseball managing and how it shows how much managing can impact the position when it's done correctly or when it's done very badly in a very negative or positive, positive or negative way. Um, it kind of seemed like after um, the team collapsed in 2008, and they were in that free fall. They were kind of like a, they became a laughing stock or were becoming a laughing stock in Tito, really. I remember when they first announced he was coming here, when when he wanted to get back into managing, people were really shocked that he picked Cleveland of all places, you know. And it was, it, it was very, he really legitimized baseball, I think, for my generation because he kind of, um, the 2013 team was was really cool. The wildcard team um, with, with with Salazar and you have Brad, young Bradley, young Kipnis, and all the young guys. 
on that team, and young Carlos Santana, and then 2016 World Series. Um, that was um one of the greatest moments of my of, of my sports life as a Cleveland sports fan, and we didn't even win, but what he what he did then was just really special, and that's just going to be it for me. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I've had my ups and downs with him, uh, which happens when anyone is with a team forever. Uh, yeah, right? and, and yeah, we had a lot of downs yeah. too. But yeah, yeah but yeah. I think you know, you highlighted. I think the two most important points is one, he did bring credibility. That is a hundred percent true. Uh, this was there was there were issues with credibility at the time. That Indians team, uh, both with a fan base and with like media, after the two thousand seven World Series, they. You know, they were trading off Cy Young Award winners left and right. And this is a team that hadn't had a Cy Young Award winner uh, since Gaylord Perry between him and, right? Isn't he the, uh, I'm hoping I have that right. I, I believe it is. Gaylord Perry to CeCe Sabathia, there wasn't one. Uh, so, the, you know, that damaged things. The minors were really weak as well. I mean, everything looked like a mess. And you're right, he 100% brought credibility. And then for as much as sometimes... He can be a little too old school in his approach. You're dead on. 2016, I mean, that was that was a masterclass. Like, most people will probably go back to him winning the World Series with Boston and breaking that curse. But 2016 was amazing. Like, that was I, – I always kind of would love to hear exactly what happened because he's – over the past few years, he has not been anywhere near that guy. But in 2016, he was – he changed the game with the way he was managing and approaching in that postseason. I mean, that team was, they made the world series because Tito did something that no one had ever seen. And I just wish he would have kept going that way and kept doing. A Honestly, bit I like think that. that predicament forced him that way. Yeah. But I mean, it was a genius. He, I mean, but he, you can't take, it. you can't take Carlos Carrasco or Cooper out of a, out in the fifth inning for Andrew Miller and, and the start after that. I mean, I, I understand what you mean, but I feel like with, with with it being postseason baseball, yeah, no, I I agree. Like I wouldn't bring in a short term. I wouldn't operate a pitching staff like that, but just like, or even when that one year we had Carlos Santana hit and lead off, like that was again. Like occasionally we'd have those signs of someone who's oh, like an the advanced, creativity. Yeah, the creativity. I just want to see more of that creativity. I guess is what okay. I should clarify and say because sometimes that creativity would come out, but the last few years, as I his mean, health I think went it, down, we didn't see as much of it. I, I, I think it's like. I think it's shown up here and there. Um, yeah. Not not in the bullpen more so, but in the lineup at certain times, he's shown creativity. Um, I feel like one thing he kind of got better at this year as the, as the season went on was playing young guys. That was an Achilles heel. Very, I mean, and, he loved his vets. And mind you, the team didn't really give him a lot of veterans to work with this year. Um, I feel like he really kind of embraced the use for a change, or albeit kind of reluctantly. But I mean. I mean, I don't know if it was reluctant or not, but I feel like he really kind of just embraced the youth that was on the roster this year. Because it's weird. he He's very weird with young position players, but he's very good with handling young position players when he okay. wants to. Yeah. No, he's when he, definitely – When he wants to. But pitching he handles much better than hitting when it comes to youth. He will you – know, and then but, the, but it's weird, but it also – it seems like he does it for guys based on talent level is good like yeah. just I mean with how much leeway Jose Ramirez got it just still stands just the way the organization handled at Jose Ramirez with the Simon and Miners and when he, before he really established himself in 2016 which is very bizarre because it because it, it just shows me that they really thought he was going to be very good 
And I'm sorry for going on this tangent. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's, you know, it's obviously he's had an impact just in the fact that, you know, we're, I mentioned he's second all time in wins by a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very close to passing Lou Boudreau. Uh, the last manager, I believe, I think he was the manager at 48 when they won. Uh, so it's, yeah, the Indians have been awful. <laughs> since that win in 48 most of this time as the baseball team has been terribleness uh and as you know you mentioned they were really kind of falling apart before tito came it was not a fun time to be an indians fan and, and that credibility helped and they started to get better and the the scouting and drafting got even better uh which is not tito's doing but they definitely i don't even know if they had like a top-down approach because it did feel at times like Tito had very set old school ways and that's not always how the, the people at the top worked, but it's still, you know, it, it was a fantastic run and I'll be curious to see what they do next. Do you have any thoughts on the whole hail over Alomar situation? Um, it makes sense. I feel like, um, I took flack and- for saying that Alomar was not good last year. What was your view on Alomar? He was not good at all. He yeah. was very good. I'll be, he wasn't prepared and kind of, he didn't, yeah. he had a lot of weird stuff to work with, but, um, I don't I mean, I really don't see how people could defend Alomar for how he was last year, especially with the routes, with the line of construction. That was just, and the way he operated with pinch hitting and stuff like that. Well, like I mean, really got lucky with the drone loop. Like I can one. say one of the people who is not a follower of mine who jumped in to yell at me for being an idiot who doesn't watch games is also someone who had a lot of stuff in their Twitter feed that is uh, just patently untrue anyway. So they they just don't live in a reality that the rest of us choose to live in. But yeah, you know, there were those issues. Hale, though, and he's one of those guys who I feel like we're lucky to have. I and mean, he has such an extensive bench coach experience. He's a player player he's a coach who's been up for a managerial role in the past do you think there's any chance that uh he could coach his way manage his way into this position permanently definitely i think he could i mean you got to think about you was tito's bench coach during his first run with boston so that says a lot about the experience that he has seen because when he was with boston he was a very very great manager yeah, I mean, he's he's. I mean, he's always been in demand. He's yeah. always been in a demand. He's worked with, like in 2019 with Atlanta. He was a minor league coach and special assistant, so he has that experience working with younger players. Which, let's be honest, with the way things are going for this team, you need if you're going to be an Indians manager. Uh, he's. I I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm curious to see what happens. Like I said, there's so many different ways we could have attacked this, but. Why don't we take a quick commercial break here and then we'll come back. And if you're curious to hear us talk about the trade, we'll handle that in our second segment. But for first, like I said, commercial break, Bilt Bar. So I had, as a midnight snack last night, two Bilt Bars. I am someone who, they sent us free samples a year ago and they got me hooked. And I get very tired and very bored with food. But after a year, I can still go back to Bilt Bar because it's delicious tasting. They're always doing new flavors. Look for those. I always like to do those. Uh, Grasshopper fudge is what was upstairs. Uh, Their lemon almond cheesecake sold out in six hours. Things like that. They do a lot of fun flavors. And then when I pull up my little calorie app on my phone, it gives it an A rating. So not only is Bill Bar tasty, not only do I, who get bored of everything, not get bored of it, but it's good for you. 
So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. For a while, I was giving the wrong code. I'm not going to repeat the wrong code. So I want you to use the right one, LOCKED15. That gets you 15% off. That is the same discount I get as a repeat customer. And right now, they are an official sponsor of the U.S. track and field team. And on top of that, they're still giving away a free mini cooler if you put in an order. So go check that out. Go to BuiltBar.com today. LOCKED15 is the code. And again, even though they're a sponsor, I honestly love this product. Okay, so let's, so I'm going to take a second, Pat, if you don't mind, and toot my own horn. Uh, yesterday, I was saying, like, the Indians and White Sox make perfect sense. It won't happen because of, like, st stupid division views, but, like, this should happen. And I want to give a ton of credit, A, to myself. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> I, it was just fun that I got to call that out ahead of time, and then they followed through. More I want to give credit to the Indians front office. People, I, I saw some people complaining about, like, a white flag. Uh, they weren't catching the White Sox. Uh, with Savali and Bieber not back till the end of August, this team, they're not a playoff team. It's time to throw that talent and just admit that. Uh, and I saw other people complaining because he's hit all these home runs. Go look at what players are getting in return. Go look at the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner trade where you're trading, you know, a top five pitcher. Yes, he's a rental, but still a top five pitcher and one of the top four shortstops slash center fielders in baseball. And they got two prospects, two very good prospects, but two prospects. Go look at Joey Gallo, who has got for one top 10 prospect. Prospects are, have never been more valued. Uh, so they go out, they make the trade to get Connor Pilkington. Connor Pilkington, I put out an old tweet of mine. His draft year, before he had a bad, he had a bad junior year, he was a player that I, in my, like, for fun mock in the middle of the baseball season, which means it was a summer mock before that year, I had him going sixth overall. That was his talent level. That was his production, a top 10 type of guy. He ends up going in the third round because all of a sudden in the final year, he, he didn't take a step forward. He didn't miss enough bats. And I think he started to get hit hard. Yeah, the home run rate was up. He just, he wasn't as good. It was his worst season. Now, you can tell me if you've heard this, but so far this year in double A, he has a strikeout rate over 10 and a walk rate right around three, which is just in line with everyone they drafted this past week. He fits them to a T in terms of mold and player. And I also have to throw this out. He is, that data cannot possibly be right. He's very young, still relative to his class, even though he was drafted in 2018. So you go through, you go, you know, fourth year in the minors. Uh, he's he's going to turn... I, I want to double check this birth date on this. I thought he's turning 24 this year, late this year, but it, this has him not. Well, I guess this says, yeah. So he'll turn, I don't know, they have a weird date. He's going to turn 24, I believe next month, but still four years in the, in the minor leagues already up to double a, he's still 23. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about that. You know, he's, so he's very young. He has that production. We, I spent a lot of time on Cesar last night where, you know, launch angle was great for him. He already had the doubles power. His launch angle had definitely changed. But overall, he was, you know, he's an average player. This trade, from my perspective, is they get an interesting pitcher and another player who they have to consider for the Rule 5 draft. Uh, they made their crunch worse, yes, uh, if you were curious. But they also opened up at bats. Uh, Owen Miller is the first player up. Because they're going to Toronto, and uh, I guess there's uh, Jimenez is working on becoming an American citizen, so there's some 
some issue with that going across uh, international borders. But with that call up, they did a whole shift in system as well with Richie Palacios, who I also talked about at length yesterday, already up to AAA. Uh, I mean, he's barely played in the minors. He's already in AAA. And then Brian Rocoyo getting the call up to AA. Uh, so much to unpack between the trade and the call ups. Maybe we'll talk about the, the players that got called up more in segment three, but in, you know, why things are done. But what do you think about this trade? Are you, uh, are you happy about the trade? What do you think about the return? What do you think about, like I said, I think it's really, for me, it's two things. It's opening up at bats and then it's getting an interesting lefty. Um, well, I like the trade because it kind of helps with the 40-man roster down the line. Um, first of all, you give more plate appearances opened up in at second base for your young your young guys so you get to see them and kind of figure out what you want to do. Um, you get an interesting arm, and this team knows how to develop pitchers. And like you said before, strikeouts over 10, walks right around three. Um, uh, I'm looking at a tweet that Justin just tweeted out about him, and he um, has pretty good fastball shape, sits in the, in the low 90s. Um, and he, he has a lot of different attributes that Cleveland just prefers and, and likes. So it'll be very inter- interesting to see um, what to do with them. So a uh, high 3-4 delivery. Um, he's been up to 93-95 at times this year. Um, slider and, and, uh, and change up to go with it. Yeah, and he has a curveball. Yeah, but, he's... Um, He's like I said, it's you can never have too many lefties, right? That's yeah. the old adage for a reason. I mean, a lefty that can hit 95 with, with four pitches and DC command and attributes that Cleveland likes, I'll, I'll take it. Um, because he might wind up being a Cy Young award winner. I'm not joking. Sorry, I got a bit of a cough today. Hopefully, that again on mic, but no, I totally oh, you like did, you. Uh, you, uh, you. You trust the, like you have to trust them implicitly when it comes to acquiring arms and trades, right? Like when you yeah, get down yeah. to it, and he's one of those guys. I saw three separate articles from White Sox fan sites about how Pilkington was a one of the the biggest risers in the system this year, and B was like the best prospect no one's talking about in system. Those are things you want to to see. And again, he's you know he, he was an SEC pitcher, like he just pitched at a high level in college, and Mississippi State's had a pretty good history uh for development recently and they like mississippi pitchers yeah and i just i i was not expecting that like i tried to look at like who made sense for a return from the white Sox last night and i couldn't i was running out of time on the show so i just i didn't really dive too deep but until they announced that and and the fun part is going to be all the people who don't know what's connor with a k you know connor is bad enough because you're like is it or is it er but he is he is or and it starts with a k but I'd like forgotten he was in that system. Uh, I I'll have to go dig out my final draft rankings. I, d- I dung dinged him a bit, but I still had him as like a second round grade in that class. I thought it was a steal by the white Sox. And again, it doesn't help the 40 man for the end of this season. Cause if they really like him, they'll have to add him. But I think it, I think it helps because it, it allows them to free up plate appearances, look at more young yeah. guys on the, on the 40 man roster right now. And, and also it'll help put in motion what they want to do in terms of trades and, and um, after the World Series ends, you know, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, it totally does. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. 
And I was going to ask my other question then just as a quick side question is, do you think the White Sox pick up Cesar's option? It's only 6 million, but I'm kind of inclined to think that he is just a rental for them. That, that... Yeah, he may be a rental. They may pick it up and trade him, but they may trade him again after the mm-hmm. offseason unless somebody else decide. Um, it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But they, may, they may keep him just in case when Nick Magic will return him from that injury. Although, um, what was it? It was Achilles or meniscus. I can't remember. No, I, I'd have to look it up as well. I can't remember. But, you know, you make a good point. The, the second base market's been hot and at the trade deadline. He's, what, the third second baseman? So I hadn't even thought about it until you said it. Like, if nothing else, it's only $6 million. Mm-hmm. The White Sox are a little penny-pinchy for a big market team, but still, it's $6 million. I hadn't thought about the idea that they could then try to flip him to get a minor asset back, but they, they absolutely could, you know, if they could find a way to uh, see what team could need him. That's, that's a good call there. Who, okay, then the follow-up question is, you know, now that there is no, you know, no second baseman, my ideal would be Jimenez at short with uh, Rosario at second base and then Yu Chen Chang maybe getting a few more at-bats to see if you want to consider not rostering him. Uh, who, who do you hope to see fill that void on the infield? Um. I'm sorry, you kind of broke up. Could you please oh. question, please? No, no problem. Uh, so I was just saying, you know, my ideal right now, since they have all these at-bats, is I think I'd like to see Jimenez and Rosario uh, mm. with Yu Chen Chang getting more at-bats just to figure out if he's someone you don't roster or not. Who's your ideal? What would you like to see them do? Is it is it that? Is it Gabriel Arias and give him a shot? Is it just Chang all the time to see what you have? Is it Owen Miller to see if he is someone that's, you know, worth keeping or if he's more fringy? What do you go with there as your kind of primary uh, key up the so, middle combination? Um, I think I do. If if I really had a choice, I trade him at Rosario. Um, at first base, I put Bobby Bradley. Second base, I'm putting Andres Jimenez. Shortstop, I'm putting. No, second base, actually, I'll put um, Owen Miller. Sort of up with Gabriel Rice and third base to put Andres Jimenez or I mean Jose actually. I'll, actually, I will trade Andres Jimenez too. For a second, yeah, me thinking about Arias and uh, Jimenez. It's shortstop and second base, and I was like, do you even need to play anyone else on the infield with the those two guys? Honestly, honestly, I can do that too. Over, you can do that. I mean, they just, they just have so many talented guys that do so many just do so many the same things very well. I mean, when you look at Arias Miller and and Jimenez. That's a that's a that's a very talented trio to have, and they're not even playing yet. At the, they're 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 in Columbus. Yeah, I because you know, I, I mean I think I would trade Ahmed Rosario though. I think I think Ahmed I would I would trade him, but I have warmed to that as well. It's with the the limited control on him, and if. A market develops. I don't know if it will. Like I said, we're seeing kind of low end returns right now relative yeah. to things. But no, I'm with you with that. I also uh, think he he's shown his limitations as a platoon bet, but he's a really good platoon bet. So yeah, uh, we'll take another quick break here, and then uh, you know I'll get your thoughts on some of these the call ups, the moves that uh, went after this trade went through. So our other fantastic sponsor today is BetOnline.ag. 
And it's something I talked about briefly yesterday. You could have gone online and uh, gone to betonline.ag and put uh, 10,000 minus 10,000, I should say, for uh, to bet on Cade Cunningham being the first overall pick. So that may not have been your best wager. You could uh, you could have wagered on anything in the draft. They had over under on trades at six and a half. I haven't been tracking that. I said to to go on the under this year. I need to to look at where we are. But anything you can imagine, you can bet on politics, karate matches. I'm sure they are loaded up on the Olympics. Go to betonline.ag today. Check it out for yourself. Remember to use the promo code Locked On to get a five zero fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. That's right, fifty percent. That's the highest percent. I have ever had when it comes tied to a sponsor, but online today, bet online is our official uh, sponsor for all things betting related. Go to betonline.ag. Remember that promo code, check it out for yourself. If that's your type of thing, bet online is a place for you. So I, what I was teasing a bit earlier, and this allows us to talk a little bit about what we originally going to talk about on the show, the minors. Uh, so I'm going to stand by a statement I made yesterday that, you know, Richie Palacios is the, the best story relating to the Indians this year. The fact that he missed two whole years and had like 40 games in low A, goes to double A and dominates and is now up to triple A. Good on him. Uh, Townsend University, not known as a, as a baseball factory. So it's not like he came from facing, you know, the, the highest level of competition. He, he jumped in and just he's he's never struggled. He's been amazing from the drop. And then Brian Arcoyo, the, so my theory on, you know, there was a big debate and I'll let you kind of cover this more on Rokoyo versus Tenya. And my view is they have to protect Rokoyo no matter what. Like he's a guy who's a consensus top 100 uh, prospect and there is a lesser chance. Uh, sorry. I just want to make sure nothing was, I, Got thrown off there. I uh, got a random message about a trade. I'm like, wait, I already wrote up the trade. So sorry about that. But I feel like there's a lesser chance. If a guy performs well in double A, a much greater chance of selection than a player, even in a short-term double A, than in uh, low A. So I think it might be uh, some of that. But, you know, uh, uh, Michael Bode from uh, Waiting for Next Year had a great list of like 20-year-olds who had played in double uh, A Akron. And it's a pretty elite company list. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it up to you to talk about, you know, uh, Ricoli over his tenure for the call-up, thoughts on Palacios, thoughts on just this general movement they're having in the minors. Yeah, so uh, Palacios, Richie Palacios' first season of minors is very intriguing because he, he jumped like three levels, which was very, very crazy. You don't see that. And just the ability to make contact he showed and just the speed and the surprising power also was very interesting. Um, and the fact that, you know, second base, you know, um, just another very contact oriented infielder with good athleticism um, amongst many. And then um, the labor room tear happens in spring training in 2019. That released out because I know a lot of people who follow the Indians farm system were very excited about Richie just because a fast moving second baseman, you know, a kid in this, um, coming off and, you know, them trying to find a stop gap and everything um, or find someone to play second. I feel like Richie Palacios could have been that quick answer there. He could have probably been up in 2020 if we really think about it or then 2019. 
And then um, 2020 pandemic happens, we we don't get to see him again. And then um, this year he, he's in Double A. He's turned he's turned to cover up the ball in Double A, and he's showing a little bit of power too at Canal Park, which is one of the worst park for hitters and all of the minors. I mean, all the pro baseball, honestly, is worth some major league parks. And it was interesting because he's not just playing second base now. He's also playing outfield and he's playing last center field. And he's very, he's very, very fast and tools enough to play center. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops with that. No, uh, I, yeah, like I said, I, I can't wait to see more from him. Uh, but why don't you, I know you've talked about Tenya before on the mm-hmm. uh, 10, 10, I'm butchering names Tenna. tonight. Tenna on the, the, the show tonight, uh, show previously. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to follow up, but I just wanted to kind of. Um, no, just... no, I just, I figured I'd let you go, let you go free flow. Why don't you just okay. uh, continue okay, to cool. attack and I am totally cool with that. I, I okay, don't have cool. anything to add. You hand, it's all well-spoken, well, uh, put together. So. Okay, just cool. Continue right. going. So go ahead. Um, so I kind of caused that Rokio tender debate on Twitter today. Um, when uh, when when the call up happened, um, I wasn't surprised. Um, I actually thought I I don't know. I think I actually have thought about it. I agree. Rokio should be one that gets called up. Um, but it was interesting to me that they picked Rokio over Tenner because Tenner has been better than Rokio this year offensively but i mean defensively they've been pretty much they've been very similar although rokio's range is so good he'll get the ball so he doesn't get that he really shouldn't be able to get to and he'll make every any good call for errors on him because you know his hands are all the way there yet or he'll fumble it and it's just it's it's a, it's a testament to how good he is it's like when pat mahomes had an incompletion in super bowl when he was parallel with the ground in midair and how do you? How does a low light, a low light of somebody, make them look good? Because it test, you got you got to be very good at something to be able to do that, which is a testament to Brian Rokio's defense. But always attends a very good player in his own right, and I feel like he's a bit underrated in the system. Um, there's some things I like with his play coverage and his swing, and how he's not afraid to go the opposite way um, in order to get singles and pull the ball in certain counts. Um, a lot of the young position players in in Lake County roster are very 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 smart and intelligent baseball players in addition to just having like just natural talent yeah it's so it's fun to have this many middle infielders it's in a way it's ridiculous i, mm-hmm. I you know because we talk about all of these guys and i think about all the players we talked about you know we haven't really once i mean in because they're in arizona but it's like we talk about all these fantastic middle infielders uh, we haven't spent too much time. So we haven't like talked about Angel Martinez too much on the show. And we haven't touched on like Carson Tucker, Milan to Latino, uh, or, you know, the, the high picks from 2019, like Jordis Valdez and Miguel Cairo. It's, we go through who they have and it's like these waves never seem to stop. It's just, it's almost, it's, you know, we are in a meme world. It's like, you could just make some kind of meme about the Indians never ending waves of infielders Here's my question to you. You've spent a lot of time in the minors. You have, uh, you've had to evaluate, you know, you, you don't have to, but you naturally start to evaluate things. And having spent the time you have spent with Lake County, I want to throw two scenarios at, well, three scenarios at you and tell me which one you would prefer. Okay. So first scenario is the Indians protect Rokoyo. They don't protect Tenya 
and they lose him. Second scenario is they protect that they trade Rokoyo so they can protect Tenya and don't lose him. And well, I guess that's it. Those are my two scenarios. Like if we're in a situation, I want to make it hard. If the third scenario is protect both, that's the easy one. So would you rather, you know, they do you value Tenya so much you'd rather he get protected and they they do a constant you know, one of those, uh, what I've been talking about, the uh, trade where they consolidate talent, or do you think that Rokoyo is, is the guy who you have to protect at all costs? I think you got to protect Rokoyo. Um, I feel like the organization put a preference on him when it when they fast-tracked him ahead of his other peers, um, a part of that 2017 signing class, which was very interesting to me. But he was the best-performing one in, in the complex leagues in the DSL and the ACL. Um, I feel like what Rookie offers in terms of tools is top notch in the system, but I think you, you have to, yeah, you have to prioritize Rookie. It just it just makes the most sense in terms of public value because it doesn't just help you it just help him help you retain his services for you, but it helps you retain retain his value in order to potentially make it a trade ship during the offseason or down the line somewhere where you're just losing them for free. Well, we are at 33 minutes. I want to thank Pat for coming on and joining me uh, today on the show, on this Friday edition. Uh, who knows what's going to come? We might, if anything does break, I'll do a lockdown now and throw that up if they do any other trades. Uh, otherwise, we'll save some of that info for Monday. Pat, tell them where they can find all of your work. Um, you can find me on tangible underscore on, on Twitter. Um, you can find my work in my clippings, um, link in my bio. I have been uh, Jeff Ellis. You can find me at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, And for the next year, go Indians. After that, go Guardians.